Hebrews 7.25 says he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. He is able to save to the uttermost. What comes to mind when you hear those words that he is able to save to the uttermost? Not just save, but save to the uttermost. Uttermost, the word means fully or full-ended, complete, whole, entirely, forever, eternal. This is the work that God has done through his son, Jesus. This is the work that we see uh, on display throughout scripture. This is the work that we call the gospel. That God doesn't just half save. He doesn't just kind of save. He saves to the uttermost. We're continuing in our series called Brand New. Looking at uh, the nature of salvation and as a framework for the discussion, um, Eight weeks, I believe, Pastor said that we should uh, look to be in this series. We're using for the framework uh, a book by Matt Chandler and uh, Jared Wilson called The Explicit Gospel. They use two divisions to break down or to dive into the gospel. The first section they refer to as the gospel on the ground, and this is what Pastor Brian has been preaching through the last uh, four or five weeks here. Uh, Using the format, God, man, Christ response. And if you've missed any of that, I do want to refer you to our YouTube channel so you can go back and catch up uh, on that. He's done some of his finest preaching in these last few weeks. Amen? Uh, This week, we start the second half of that framework, looking at what the book refers to as the gospel in the air. And using the format, creation, fall, Uh, redemption, or restoration, and redemption, the gospel in the air allows us to uh, zoom out and see, uh, rather zoom out from the up close and personal, the individual, wherever we've been the last few weeks, to uh, uh, look and see that God is uh, uh, doing a number of things in a number of ways throughout the entirety of Scripture, far beyond just that personal level. So you've heard Pastor Brian use this word cosmic, so this is a more cosmic look. Uh, at the gospel, and, and, and with that pairing of the gospel on the ground and the gospel in the air, we get a more complete look at what God is doing through the gospel, and that's what we want to do. We want to get a complete look at what God is doing through the gospel. Now, some may argue that to pull back from the personal because the gospel, making the decision to follow Christ, or making the commitment, rather, to follow Christ is a personal decision. Amen. Grandma can't make that decision for you. Mama can't make it. Daddy can't make it. It's your decision as he moves and works on your heart. But what we see in Scripture is a grand story of redemption. It's beyond personal, and it's one that includes us, but it's not ultimately about us. So it's very healthy for us to take a step back from the gospel on the ground to get that picture, that cosmic or universal picture, because all too often we do want to make his story our story. We want to take what God has said in his word, what God is doing even in his church, what God is doing in creation, even what God is doing through the gospel and make it about us. And while we are certainly a part of his story, While we are certainly a loved and welcomed addition, we are not the focus. 
of the gospel. God is. So again, it's healthy for us to step back and get this picture. Again, because all too often as we are on the ground, so to speak, dealing with our personal lives and our personal stuff, we lose sight of how big and how other God is. And rather than bringing our problems up to God, we tend to bring God down to our problems. And when we do that, we make him small. We make him insufficient. We make him unable to effect change in our lives. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the universe. It's not the God of the gospel. Our assignment this morning is to explore the gospel narrative through creation. And what we see as we look through uh, this lens, this, uh, excuse me, rather, what we see when we look through this lens, again, is a cosmic work to use some of the wording that Pastor Brian has been using. We see God speaking and creating everything out of nothing. We also see a consequential effect as a result of man's fall, death, and destruction has now entered the world because of sin. God's perfect creation has been marred by sin. And lastly, we see a complete redemption. As he who was seated on the throne in Revelations 21 declares, behold, I am making all things new. He saves family to the uttermost. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This is where we'll set up camp, pitch our tent for this morning. Romans chapter 8, we'll begin reading at the 18th verse. Everybody there? Romans 18, chapter, Romans 8, excuse me, starting with 18, hear the words of the Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In our text, Paul wants us to understand two certainties. The first thing Paul points us to is the reality of suffering in this present time. And not just our suffering, but the suffering, uh, or rather, or the suffering of other people, and there's plenty around us. But all of creation is experiencing suffering. The second thing that Paul points us to is hope for a future glory. There is a freedom, an adoption, a redemption that is forthcoming that will bring about the end of all suffering. But how did we get here? Surely God didn't, uh, or rather our God who saves to the uttermost didn't set out to do a cosmic or universal work in which everything that he created was created to suffer. Surely not. Far from it. And we know this because God declared his creation to be good. I turn your attention to Genesis 1 
Starting with verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, and form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, let the dry land appear. And it was so, verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together seas. And you know what it says. And God saw that it was good. Two important things to note here. First, God called the universe into being of his own free will, by his own authority, for his own glory. He spoke and it was, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. And verse after verse throughout scripture testifies to God's power, his absolute power, and his ability to create because of that power. Psalm 33 and 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Psalm 102 and 25, of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Isaiah 45 and 12, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I command all their hosts. John 1 and 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Lastly, Revelation 4 and 11, worthy are you, O Lord and God. To receive glory and power and honor for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. If we see him as anything less than the sovereign creator and ruler and sustainer of the universe and everything and everyone in it, you will struggle to see him as savior. And because of our unbelief, we put ourselves in danger of remaining in our sin and missing the greatest hope of what it is that we're talking about in this series, the gospel. The second thing to note is that God constantly says of his creation, it was good. Genesis 1 and 10, God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. uh, He called the seas and God saw that it was good. Verse 12, the earth brought vegetation, plant yielding seeds according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which in which in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was Genesis 7, 1 and 17. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and again in verse 21 we see it again in verse 25 and when you get to verse 31 he says these words and God saw everything that he had made 
and behold, it was very good. So how do we go from all good in Genesis to all suffering in Romans 8? Well, Pastor Brian has talked about this again uh, as he talked about man. In Genesis 3, we see these words. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit trees, uh, of, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And we know the story and what happens. So they do, or rather she takes and she bites and eats of the tree. And the scripture says and she gives to her husband who was with her and he also did eat. And then we hear the voice of the Lord or they hear the, verse, the voice of the Lord walking in the garden and they hide themselves. This is the beginning. They hide themselves because they were afraid. Because they heard the voice, voice of the Lord and they hid because they said in verse 10, we knew that we were naked. I love God's response. Who told you you were naked? You got to watch the conversations that you have. Amen. Every conversation is a good conversation. But how did we get from all good to all suffering? Verse 17, and to Adam, God said. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Looking back at Romans 8 and 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The present time is marked by suffering because of the fall, because of sin. The whole history of creation since the fall has been marked by suffering. We can see it even in the very next chapter in Genesis as uh, we see the first murder taking place. But this isn't just man dealing with the consequence of his sin. This is all of creation. Again, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation is groaning together in pains of childbirth. Paul personifies creation. It is groaning as it anxiously awaits the culmination for God's, uh, of salvation for God's people. We know that God is a God of his word, so it's coming. And creation eagerly awaits it because it will trigger its release from corruption, from suffering. The suffering that uh, uh, creation is experiencing again because of sin. So we're not just talking about personal or individual suffering. And we know what that looks like, whether that's pain or sickness or disease, whether that's death or whether that's uh, uh, problems in our relationship. There's a multitude of things. The entire human experience and all of the bitterness that comes with it can be traced uh, uh, back to sin. And it, it, it's, it's suffering. It's suffering. But we're also talking about national suffering. 
as we look across even our own country and uh, 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 other countries throughout the world as COVID-19 continues to leave its mark. National history, even in our own country, the sufferings of, uh, uh, of slavery, the political unrest that we just came out of through all the craziness in the election and people choosing sides and demeaning and degrading people because of the side they chose. But we also see global or cosmic suffering. Marked by natural disasters like tornadoes and uh, hurricanes, blizzards, volcanoes, and earthquakes and tsunamis. All of these things that we've seen even in, in, in recent years of flooding in, in Texas and whatnot. Loss of power for days. Even people here lost power. That's suffering. And we don't often equate things like that, natural disasters, with sin. But it, it all stems from the fall in Genesis 3 because, again, if we look back at um, Genesis 1, everything that God created, he said it was good. But anything that we can point to that falls outside of God's original design and declaration of being good would fall into the category of suffering. And it all, again, is a direct result because of sin, which leads to this question. Do we have a tendency to downplay our sin? Do we treat it as if it's not the offense it is? Do we treat it as if there are no consequences for it? I'd wager to say we do. Because if we saw sin for what it is, we wouldn't be surprised then by, uh, uh, or offended rather, by the chaos and the suffering that comes as a re result of our sin. John Piper says this about sin and its effects. If you think somehow the suffering in this world is out of proportion to what is deserved, then you don't grasp the infinite holiness of God or the unspeakable outrage of sin against this holy God. God's judgment on the entire creation as seen in all of his, excuse me, all of history's horrible tragedies reveals how horrific our sin is to him. Piper adds, but in fact, the point of our miseries, our futility, our corruption, our groaning is to teach us the horror of sin and the preciousness of redemption and hope. Hold on to that. But the reality of terrible suffering does not undermine the fact that God has a plan and that he will accomplish his plan. Paul says in our text in Roman that the creation was subjected to fertility in hope. What does he mean by that? In hope. We're talking about suffering and consequences and sin. And now you come to hope saying that it was all done in hope. Even though creation is fallen, even though uh, creation is suffering and uh, 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 there is groaning, it does so still bearing witness to the majesty and glory of God as creator. Romans 16, Romans 1, excuse me, starting with the verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God, hear it, is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, excuse me, having been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. This is the gospel displayed on a cosmic level. All of creation, even in its fallen state, even in its suffering, testifies that God is God. Even though creation is fallen and suffering and groaning, it does so looking with earnest expectation of obtaining freedom from the bondage and the corruption that it was subjected to, again, because of man's sin. Colossians 1 Starting with 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Even though creation is fallen and suffering and groaning, it does so in hope. The hope of labor pains, it mentioned that it's groaning as like labor pains, the, child, the, the, the pains of, of birth, excuse me. The hope of the pain is new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. The word here is cosmos. It includes the universe, the heavens, the earth, and all of its inhabitants. God's final purpose for both creation and for his adopted sons, his children, is the glory of complete salvation. This is the hope that we have in him. To know as, the, as some of the older saints used to say, trouble don't last always. That there is a rest for the children of God. Where is your hope in this morning? Where is your hope? If your hope is in things created, they are, there are people who worship idols, things that are made. We just left Exodus. We saw them worshiping the golden calf. If that's where your hope is, then you are lost. Because the things created were subjected to fertility. The things that were created have fallen. And scripture says of those that heaven and earth will pass away. So if that's where your hope is, then you have no hope. Is your hope in yourself? You say, hey, I'm a good person. I do this, I do that. You know, I, I, I give money to the poor. I help, uh, I love Pastor Brian said the other day, I help old ladies across the street. But the scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5 tells us that we inherited, even inherited sin because of Adam's sin. Scripture tells us that we are born in sin, shaping in iniquities, that, and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that's Romans 6, 23. 
So if my trust is in myself and the wages of sin is death and I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, where does that leave me? It leaves me without hope. The only sure hope is Christ. The song says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The only hope that we have, the only salvation that we have to look to is Christ. I forgot my Bible. Let me grab my phone right quick. One last text and we'll give God a shout and we'll get out of here. Uh, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation 21. Or turn your phones. The only true hope we have, family, is in Christ. And all of creation, God has made it again, Romans tells us, so that they are without excuse. He's, he's made his way plain. He's made the way plain for us. We just have to make the decision that we're going to hope in him and trust in him. Revelation 21, chapter, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first earth excuse me, has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy, holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Listen, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. All things. The salvation that he offers us, that God offers us through Christ, is a sure and true salvation. It is trustworthy. It is reliable. It will not rust. It will not devalue. It cannot be stolen. He saves to the uttermost. I urge you, if you don't know him today, put your hope in Christ. If you are watching, I urge you, put your hope in Christ. If you're here today and you have questions about what does that look like, uh, myself, Pastor Brian, uh, grab one of us. Grab one of us. Let's have that conversation. Do it while it is yet day for the night come when no man can work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day.